Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Empower Podcast. I know it's been quite a while since we've been on here. We took a slight uh, hiatus just to kind of recharge, I guess, for the new year. Um, We're back. We're pretty excited to be here. Um, Again, I'm Byron, Byron Beasley. I'm a software engineer. We also have Steve Meehan, who is a professional recruiter. And um, we have a special guest with us today. We have Matt Sanchez. Um, He's a junior producer at Deck Nine Games. So we figured our podcast kind of focuses on people trying to get into the industry or people trying to transition into the industry. Um, so we thought that Matt would be the perfect guest to kind of help bring us out of this hiatus and um, kind of provide his insight into what it's like working in the game industry full time now and what his journey has been along the way. So yeah, Matt, you want to go and introduce yourself and we can go from there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt Sanchez, I've been in the industry for just about a year and some change at this point. And uh, yeah, you guys picked a really good time to bring me back on because I am going through a transition myself. I actually just had my last day at Deck Nine on Friday as a junior producer, and I will be transitioning to an associate producer for Solid State, which is a new studio that Activision is pumping up um, to work on Call of Duty Mobile. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited that I get to talk about all that stuff. So (laughs) right on and. Like one of the things that I absolutely love is that we've been able to kind of see you in your journey as a professional in the video game industry. And for those who didn't get an introduction to you the last time or the last episode, can you kind of give us a a synopsis on how your career has panned out? Like what industry did you start in? How did you end up transitioning into video games? Um, kind of give us a little more a little more background. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, I, my first job ever was at GameStop when I was 16. Uh, it was the best job I've ever had. Um, I love, I loved every minute of it. I was, a, I worked there for about two and a half years. Um, you know, and, and I took a lot of notes from that as I kind of went forward and I didn't realize how important that was going to be until I got into the game industry. But, um, yeah, I did that in high school. I left for the Marine Corps in 2013 um, I was in the Marine Corps as an artillery cannon crewman for about four years. Um, came out and I was like, you know, I'm going to come out, come back home to Chicago and uh, start school. So I, I got out in December of 16. I turned around and I started school right in January of that of 17. Um, and initially, you know, I knew I was really good with money and I was really good with working with people. And, and, and I was really interested in business and stuff. So I, I started with a business administration degree. Um, I eventually transitioned to a um, business management degree with a concentration on leadership and change. And um, I was actually going through the recruitment process for a consulting firm. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do consulting for a few years. And then, um, you know, maybe eventually from there, I can kind of make the jump to an industry that I'm a little bit more excited about, you know, really get kind of specialized and um, I was talking to my, my fiance and she kind of, I was seeing the work that she was doing and how passionate she was about the direction she wanted to go. Um, and, you know, we were doing a lot of talking about school and stuff for her and, um, the, something kind of clicked for me. And I think I took a step back. I did a little bit of soul searching and, you know, I asked myself and I said like, Hey, when was the last time I was working a job, you know, aside from the Marine Corps that I would, that I truly loved and I truly was passionate about. Um, and I, that brought me back to GameStop and I, and, you know, as, as, as silly as it can be, like, I, I love being around games. I loved talking to people about games, I love educating people about games. And so, um, I kind of made the, the hefty decision to, uh, turn away from consulting and I was going to solely focus on applying into the games industry. And, uh, it was definitely very scary, but, um, I met a lot of really cool people along the way, Steve being one of them. And, you know, I learned a lot. And I I think at that point I was trying to figure out, you know, where do I fit in the puzzle that is game industry? Because I wasn't, I'm not an artist by trade. I'm not an engineer by trade. Um, You know, I have, I have those management skills and stuff, but I was like, how does that, what does that look like? And um, that's when I kind of started to learn what production was. And I was like, okay, this is something I could do. Like, this is, something that I enjoy doing. I love being around creatives and kind of funneling them into the right space. Um, And I got really lucky. I found my job at at Deck Nine. I interviewed and did uh, did the whole deal in like two weeks and I had my job offer, which was awesome. 
after, you know, just applying and searching and doing all these things. And um, it was in Colorado, which is a place that we wanted to move out to already. So we got a chance. We moved out in January of 2021 and um, came out here, started kind of working, getting, you know, getting my hands dirty, learning the just what it means to actually work in the industry and not just be a fan, um, you know, and, and I always kind of knew I, that deck nine was going to be a short trip for me. I, I knew that I wanted to make my way to, you know, PlayStation or make my way to Activision to work on call of duty. There was, I had higher aspirations, um, you know, and I, there were, there were definitely some things that kind of came up that were frustrating and kind of pushed me to start looking a little bit. And um, I ended up just, kind of getting really lucky with the connections that I had and things finally just lined up. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the guys that I had met, um, who was a recruiter at Activision sent me a listing for an AP role with this new studio. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's Call of Duty mobile. And, and, you know, it's a brand new thing and stuff. And, um, it got me really excited. I, I interviewed with the executive producer and then interviewed with the, with all the four of the senior producers and I got to hear more about it. Um, and it just sounded like the perfect fit. You know, I had, I had gained a ton of experience from my time at Deck Nine, and um, now was kind of my opportunity to go working on IP I was excited about, but also like kind of test myself, you know, and see like, hey, this past year and change that I've been working and doing, um, you know, has that all been legit or, or have I just been, you know, just faking, faking the funk, mm. you know? And uh, so with this being a new studio and us being the ones kind of creating the pipelines and the strategies and the processes is like, this is my opportunity to like, you know, see, like, get that gut check. Like, all right, you know, am I, am I a good producer or what? So, uh, yeah, I'll be starting that in, in the next couple of weeks here and, and can't be more excited. Awesome. And first of all, on behalf of everybody listening, just want to say congratulations to this amazing step that you're just taking in your journey right now. And thank you so much for sharing it with us because like we're seeing this happen <laughs> as it's going on. Yeah. And I remember the original conversation that we had where you, you mentioned it to me and I was like, just remembering how, how passionate you are about the whole call of duty franchise and knowing that you're making that step into working on the game that you're so passionate about. It's, it's been a, there've been challenges. Absolutely. And, but this is part of working in the industry, at least from my understanding is that not just under, uh, not just knowing what it is that you love, but having the passion and the work ethic to keep going after it. And that's one of the things that I love every time we talk to you is we get that. And, um, can you talk about like, obviously you've taken many steps, right? And we, we never know how the dots are going to connect unless we're looking in the past. And I think that's something that you mentioned as well. Can you kind of talk about your experiences at GameStop at, at, um, in the Marines and how those all kind of tied together to prepare you for where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, think, I think GameStop, and the reason why I continue to refer to it, and I, I probably will till the day I die, um, GameStop was my first experience with, you know, working in something that you love and learning learning about it from a different perspective you know i think people oftentimes with the games industry they're like you know oh i play games you know like yeah sure i could work in it and it's like it's a it's a whole other side of the book you know experiencing games as a fan and experiencing games from a professional standpoint are two very different things you know and they complement each other sure but um, you know, when I was at GameStop, I wanted to go because I was a fan of games and I got there and I started to understand, like, this is a business, you know, we need to sell games. Like we need to keep this store running. Like we need to do these things. Um, and so that was my kind of foyer into, okay, like this is how I interact with this media that I'm so passionate about as a professional. Um, you know, this is also where I got to experience, you know, that people always say, you know, do something you love and you never work a day in your life. Eh, I still definitely do work. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it was that experience of like, you know, this is, this is cool. I'm not just like working on spreadsheets or I'm not just doing something and, and not a shot at people who like working on spreadsheets. I know people that love Excel. So like, if you, if that's what you do, do it, you know, but for me, it's like, I love being active. I love being up and talking to people and talking, just talking about games for, you know, eight hours a day. Um, 
And so that really coming, kind of coming forward, you know, I, like I said, when I was doing that soul searching and I was like, what, I want that feeling again. I want that drive. Um, and you know, I had the same drive when I was getting, when I was preparing myself to go into the Marine Corps, you know, I came from, uh, or come from a pretty, pretty stagnant military family. Um, you know, we have a bunch of people all over the place and, you know, I prepared myself. I, I did, you know, whatever little research I wanted to do, but a lot of it was just, you know, going for runs and, and, and doing, you know, pushups and doing all those things. And it's because I was passionate about it. I knew this is something I wanted to do. And, it doesn't need to be something you do for the rest of your life. You know, I knew that I wanted to go and I wanted to be a Marine, but I wasn't going to retire out of there. I knew I had other things that I wanted to knock off and that's okay. You know, I, I, I checked that box. I did what I wanted to do and I, and I, I'm benefiting from that now. Um, you know, and, and now as I'm going into games and kind of like you said, Steve, like I've been so passionate about this IP and not just as a fan playing the games, but also just what, Activision and the Call of Duty Endowment does, you know, when I was in college, I did a lot in the veteran nonprofit space. And I knew that nonprofit work was something that I wanted to continue in my professional career. And I was like, I want to go somewhere where, you know, I can, I can do that. And Call of Duty Endowment was a huge thing, a huge goal, I think, of mine to get to, um, to be able to say like, yeah, hey, I work at Activision, I work in Call of Duty, but also in my spare time, these are some other things that I get to do through my job you know, that, that are benefiting people that, you know, are struggling and there and the people that come from my, my group, you know? Um, so I just absolutely incredibly happy and incredibly excited. And, and it is not an understatement to say that I'm very lucky that within the first two years of my, my career, I've gotten to make the huge jump to an IP that I'm passionate about. You know, not everybody gets to do that. And, um, I, I will, I will forever be happy and, and, and glad that I've been able to do that so far. So I'm curious. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Byron. Uh, yeah, I'm curious as well. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit with your job at GameStop and the kind of different perspective you had, right? Working there versus being a fan. And I know that one thing that certain schools or certain people might sell is that, or people may think is that you're just playing video games all day when you work at a gaming company. So how has your perception changed since you started working professionally in the industry? And um, are there any like misconceptions that you may have held or hear often that yeah. don't hold true once you're in the industry? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's funny you say that because when I first started, I was still getting all my, my stuff set up and we were and deck nine was going through a bit of a transition. So I'd gotten my computer and everything and I was talking to my boss and I was like, all right, like, what do you need me to do? And she was like, well, we don't have a lot for you to do right now. So how about you play the build? For the, at the time, it was Life is Strange True Colors. It hadn't come out yet. And uh, she's like, how about you play the build? And I was like, wait a second. Am I actually about to get actually get paid to just play video games? Has it just all been a lie? Um, <laughs> and so um, I, I, I did that for I, I got to do that for a bit, which is really cool. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, so, I think sometimes you have to check your fandom at the door. You know, I think it's great to to be passionate about something. And, and you know, Deck Nine is, is very similar in terms of a lot of the artists and a lot of the people that work there love that IP and love that franchise. And you could see it in their work, um, you know, but at times you just have to, you have to check that at the door and you have to say, you know, okay, I, I'm a fan, this is exciting, but I have a job that I have to do. I have things that I have to do that aren't gonna be exciting. I'm not gonna get to play the build you know, for eight hours today, like, you know, I've got some other things to do. So I think, um, I, I didn't really run into an issue with that. I could see younger people maybe running into that as they're starting to figure out where they want to go and work. Uh, because in reality, you know, being a producer is very similar to being a project manager, you know, in the business world where I initially was coming from. So a lot of those same principles translate over and you, go in and you're like, okay, I have to manage these people. We have to do these things. And sure, you're talking about cool stuff. You know, you're talking about managing a pipeline for animation and cinematics. And you're like talking about what the characters are going to look like. But at the end of the day, from my perspective, you know, if I was in business and I was just managing a pipeline for something else, you know, a lot of those same things, I would be doing a lot of the same things. You know, this is just had the opportunity to say, hey, you need to deliver this sword, you know, by the end of the month, which is cool. You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think 
that there's definitely that misconception. I also think that there's a, you know, maybe not a misconception, but I think people early on just struggle to figure out how they fit into the puzzle. Like I said, for me, you know, not being an artist or an engineer, I was like, what do I, like, what do I, what could I possibly do? You know, cause in my mind it was like, this place is just made up of artists and engineers and that's it. And they just do stuff, you know, and then games happen, you know, a couple of years later. Um, and there's so much more to it. And as you get to a bigger studio or a bigger publisher, there, there are even more opportunities. You know, one of the senior producers at Solid State, um, aside from the various other things that she's doing, one of the things she talked to me about was like business analytics. Like that's an area that she's maintaining. Like that was something producers did not do at Deck Nine. You know, we didn't do anything with business analytics, but because we're getting to a bigger IP, there's more moving parts, you know, there's more things that need to happen. Um, so I, I would say, I think to anybody that's looking right now or trying to figure it out, you know, don't be disheartened if your degree is in something that may not be, or your skill set, I should say, is in something that you may not fully envision in the game industry, because there's probably a job for it. You just have to find that job or you have to find the way, the pathway to that. And then you're like, all right, what are these little, what are these little things that I can do to get up to that point, you know, and that might be like, you know, maybe I have to start in QA or maybe I have to start somewhere. And, you know, I think people kind of will turn an eye to QA at sometimes, but it's like, you have to start somewhere, you know, and, and someone, one of my past managers told me this when she had started, she worked like two or three years in an area that she wasn't super crazy about, but she wanted to get to this other one. And she was talking to her manager and her manager was like, man, you're doing like a great job, you know, here, we love all the work you're doing. And she was like, yeah. Now imagine if I was working over here, which is an area that I actually really want to work in and I'm passionate about, imagine the type of work I could do. You know, she did the kind of show your hand first um, and prove yourself and then get to where you want to go. And she was able to move, you know, and so that that was something else that kind of stuck with me, which was like, you know, if I don't get into production right away, if I have to start in QA, I'm going to go, I'm going to do the best QA job I can do and I'm going to learn what I need to do to get to production or to get to engineering or whatever, you know, so... Um, a long-winded a long-winded way to answer your question. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's worth noting as well. I know some, this is something that I'm facing. Um, where I currently work now, I kind of have one role, and I'm trying to transition to another. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's worth mentioning that uh, no one's gonna know that you want to do that other thing unless you put it out there that you want to yep. do that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. You have to be communicating those things, and and not even in a bad way. You know, yeah. I think. One thing, one thing for me that um, throws people off a little bit, when I first start a job, you know, I get kind of the lay of the land and stuff, and then I go to my manager, and I'm like, hey, so I'm a AP right now. What do I need to do to become a producer? You know, and at times, people can take that as like, oh, are you not happy with this brand new job that you got as an AP? And it's like, no, 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 I'm very happy, and I, and I want to continue doing what I'm doing, but I have goals to become a producer. I want to become a senior producer. I want to do this, that, and the other. And so while I'm getting myself settled and while I'm doing my work, I want to have in my head what you are expecting from a producer. Cause then I can figure out what are the things that I need to be learning right now as I'm doing this stuff to then make it so that when we're talking in six months or a year, I'm saying, Hey, remember when you said these are the things you want out of a producer? Well, I'm doing all those things now. So what are the other things you want out of a producer? Or if there isn't anything else, what's the pathway look like for me getting to producer? you know, and you just do it that way. And and same thing for you, even if you're swap, swapping over to another role, same deal. It's like, what do I need? What are the things that you would want from someone in this role? And what are the things that I can do now to start learning how to get to that spot? Yeah, absolutely. And like one of the things that I love that you're touching on is how, how beneficial it can be to treat ourselves as a business. Because if you step into a corporation or a well-functioning organization, you'll see that they've got a mission and a purpose and goals and like a five-year plan, a one-year plan, uh, quarterly plans. And a lot of the things that you're mentioning right now seems like it lines up exactly with that, right? If you know yourself what your goals are, what's your, your future goals like, and what it is that you wanna do, it's my experience that when you're with the right managers, they will help, they'll help guide you on that pathway because it's not just about a company that wants to to suck the life out of their their employees. It's actually about a very collaborative relationship in we're going to help you get what you want and you're going to help us get what we want. Like 
does that is that far fetched? Is like, what's your experience with that? No, yeah, I think I think that's right on the money, and I think that the most important part of that, and and Byron even brought it up earlier, um, is being a self advocate. You know, you have to, you can go in and you can work with tons of great people, and you can do all this really amazing stuff, but if you're not advocating for yourself. There, there are people that should, you know, if you have really good managers, there's people that'll be like, hey, you know, you're, like you're doing great stuff. Like, let's talk about this. But if you're not initiating that conversation, it's going to take much longer for you to get there, you know, and and that's in the good and in the bad. You know, like I said, I had some frustrations with Deck Nine. Um, and if it weren't for me being a self-advocate, would I kind of get to the point where I figured, you know, hey, I don't know if there's any any more that I can do here. To develop myself and i think the best thing that i can do for self-advocacy right now is look elsewhere you know and that's nothing against them that's nothing against my managers whatever it's you taking a step back looking at what, you, what your journey is going on right now and saying this is the this is the logical next step this is what i need to be doing um or i'm going to be stagnant you know and i think there's a lot of people you know when you get to individual contributors and you get to engineers and artists and stuff who they can get put onto their their favorite game. You know, they can get get put onto Batman, and they could just be an engineer or an artist on Batman for for six or seven years and not move because they're so happy about what they're doing. And and that's great, but you have to be all be able to take that step back and say like this. I love that I'm working on this, but what's the next good jump for me? You know, and if and if that means I need to move to a different IP that maybe I'm not as excited about, but I'm getting a promotion or I'm getting more responsibility or, or whatever, you know, maybe that's the move, you know, I, I, I had no particular affinity for life is strange when I was applying, you know, I played them, I'd enjoyed them, but like they weren't my favorite games. Um, and I was worried when I first came in that I was going to be like a leper because I was around so many people that love these games. Oh, sorry. And, um, and I was around so many people that love these games and I was like, are they going to, am I going to get shunned? Cause I, cause I don't feel the same way. Um, but for me, I was like this, I need to make this happen because this is a junior producer position. This is an entry point for me into the industry. This is a place where I can go that's small scale that I can learn a bunch of stuff and prepare myself to move on to the, to that next course, you know? And I mean, I played all the games before my interviews, you know, I did all, I did all the, the research and stuff. And um, yeah, I think that that's part of that, like, checking your fandom at the door you know if i if i ever have to move on from from call of duty onto the next thing and if i'm not moving directly from call of duty to metal gear solid you know i i'll, I'll be like darn but you know it's fine um you know if i if i move and i'm like hey i have to go work on world of warcraft cool that's a whole new experience i've never played world of warcraft i have no idea but it's the it's the next jump you know and and it's gonna hit either it's gonna hit either way so yeah, um that goes along yeah. with kind of what you were saying before in the in the sense that it is still a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, you may not be the most excited about every game, but I think there's always some aspect of the production that you'll find exciting. And maybe that's more important to look for, like you said, right? Gain that more yeah. responsibility, uh, developing these skills to get you to or where you want to be in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. And, you know, I think once you get to a point where you've, like, check the boxes you've worked on the ips that you've wanted to do you start looking for new challenges you know i had a, a lead producer that was working at tech nine who i talked to him and and he's he'd been in the industry for like 20 30 years and his big thing with with going and working on that was he's like this is a challenge i've never made these kinds of games i've never managed these kinds of pipelines and i want to and i want to challenge myself i want to see like can i do it you know and he'd worked at nintendo he'd done all these things um and so yeah i think it, exactly like you said it's still a job you know you still have to think about it that way as exciting as it could be as you know you get to to play the build on your lunch break or whatever and, and you're like this is awesome you learn all the background secrets um you know you still it's still a job you still got to do do your best you still got to kind of deal with what you're at and and you know and and keep moving yeah and like one of the things that i love uh, particularly about your story is coming through the military and I know passion is one thing, but I know like the military really instills discipline. And in my head, the way that I picture it, passion is like a fire. And then the discipline is what helps guide the fire. Um, can you talk about how your military experience 
helped translate into your success as as an employee and working in the video game industry? Yeah, absolutely. And and you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, that's it. And and I would say there's tons of lessons that I've learned, and I could talk about that stuff for hours. But I think one of the biggest things that I learned that you don't really get to learn super easily in the real world, and I don't think a lot of people learn this lesson, or it takes them a really long time to do so, is um, learn how to embrace the suck. You know, that is a saying that we had that, you know, just embrace the suck. I was in a combat, I was in a combat role. I was in a combat job. So my, my training was going to the field, not showering for, you know, a week or or a month sometimes, you know, and it being cold or being too hot or whatever. And it would be really easy to just complain all the time. Like this sucks. Like I hate this. Why am I here? Blah, 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 blah you know, not whatever, but that you're then putting all this energy into something that's not going to amount to anything. I was still there. I still had to do my job, you know, whether it sucked or it didn't suck. Um, you know, I still had to, to, to be part of this team. And so I think when you, when you finally make that swap where you're like, this is, this is going to suck and that's fine. And I'm just going to, I'm going to power through, um, doing that in the military is one thing and then you come out and you do it in the civilian world and it's way easier <laughs> you know because it's like oh man i'm in my comfy chair and you know oh, i gotta sit on a call for an hour and a half this sucks blah you know but it's like it, it's being able to be of the mindset of understanding yes this this isn't going to be fun this is going to be whatever but i need to do it this is part of my job i need to i need to work through this you know, to attain, again, we've been talking, these other goals, these further things that I want to do, you know, um, and that's just something I've, I feel like I've noticed, and not just in games, but in general, that people can have a tough time um, figuring that out, because it's it's not natural, you know, something's not fun, you're like, ah, you kind of shy away from it, um, but, you know, yeah, embracing the suck, I think, has been invaluable for me coming out of the military um and it'll just continue to be you know because it i've been really lucky right now it's sweet i'm gonna get to go work on call of duty but maybe the next jump for me is working on something i'm not as excited about and maybe it it, it is really tough you know but i was able to to jump up and become a producer by going to do that or a senior producer whatever um i'm still on track you know the track's just bumpy that's it right that's that's really cool um i think uh, kind of something that goes along with that is uh, making sure that you stay pretty well-rounded, um, understanding that the experiences that you're going through, that you go through, uh, may have some benefit, tangible or intangible in the future. I know for myself, I love exercising, I love working out, and when you say embracing the suck, it's, <laughs> that's what it's all about, dude. Like, yeah. Um, I did marching band in high school. I hated marching band in high school, but I did it all four years, and it really taught me. You know, I'm not going to enjoy everything I do, but at least I have the mental fortitude to push through to get to what I do want to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And and talking about fitness and stuff, one of the best things one of my friends said, he's like, you know, you're, I, I just started going into the gym and learning how to how to gym. And um, he was like, we, we were going there one day and I was a lot weaker than like I thought I would be, you know, because I'd never been in and stuff. And he's like, dude, it's fine. He's like, this beginning part's going to suck. And he's like, you know what? Then like a couple weeks are going to go by and you're going to lift a little bit more and it's going to be awesome. And then a couple weeks are going to go by and you're going to lift a little bit more. And before you know it, you know, you're going to be lifting 60, 70 more pounds than you were when you started, you know? And he's like, it's those, it's those little wins in the storm that you have to keep focused on. And you have to say like, yeah, dude, I lifted five more pounds this week than I did last week. That's awesome. And you're just working to continue climbing up this mountain. So yeah, I can totally relate to that stuff as well. I've ran way too many miles in my life at this point yes. <laughs> that have all sucked. I am not a runner, nor do I enjoy it. <laughs> and, and one of the things I love about that is just like bringing it back to how that relates to video games, right? Like the the leveling up when you're going to the gym, when you just go and crank out like a few reps in your visit there, like you may not see it, but your experience level is going up just a little bit, right? And that's kind of why I wish we had bars over our head so I could look in the mirror and say my experience has gone up X amount over the past day. Yeah. Um, but like, that's one of the cool things is like, 
understanding how video games translates into real life. And like, I know you've got a million examples of how that's worked out for you, but like, how has, like, can you give us some, like how you've used your learnings in video games in the industry to, to actually pursue your passion? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think for, for me, it was a lot of very early on, it was translating my experience into video game language. You know, I had tons of leadership and management experience, but I didn't, I, I needed to, to put this new coat of paint on it, you know, and, and figure out how that step worked because it was different. And, you know, one of the big things and one of the really good, good pieces of feedback that I got um, from a senior producer was, you know, we were talking about, we were having like a six month, you know, uh, review or whatever. And we were talking about stuff and he was like, your uh, follow-up isn't great. And he's like, you got to kind of work on, on you you get these tasks and you start them really well, but your follow-up isn't great. Um, and we kind of talked through it and I, I started to, I also kind of realized that. And in talking through it, one of the things that I had that like, oh my God moment was for me coming from the military to be a leader, you have to be kind of become a subject matter expert. You know, I was in artillery. So if I wanted to become a section chief of a, of a gun, of a team, I needed to know every part of the gun. I needed to know every part of all the jobs that it, that it takes to fire, you know, to fire an artillery piece, all these things. And only then could I go and could I become a section chief. And for production, so, so I go into production and I have that mindset of like, okay, I'm in charge of the animation team right now. I need to learn how to be an animator. I need to do this so I can understand what they're going through. I can anticipate the issues that they're running into and stuff. Um, and I explained that and my senior producer was like, no, no, you don't. He's like, you have, you have leads. You have people there who are your translators. You're, you're monitoring the work. You know, you're making sure things are getting done. You're making sure things are going through the pipeline. You're talking to other departments, but you're not there to learn how to be an animator. We have animators for that. We have a lead animator for that. Who's going to translate that stuff for you. Um, and that was a huge aha moment because then I stopped putting so much energy into trying to learn these jobs and learn how to do these things. And I put more energy into just managing the pipeline and talking with the lead. And he said, you know, yes, you're going to learn stuff just by being in the industry and working with these teams for so long, but that just comes with time. You know, he's like, I didn't open up a book and he had a little bit of an engineering background. He's like, I didn't open up a book and just read about engineering before I became a producer. It was just working with engineers. You start to understand the same problems will make their, will, will rear their head. You know, and then you're like, I know how to deal with this now. Um, and so, yeah, that was, I mean, that was huge for me. And, and it was that kind of moment where I was like, okay, there's going to be more stuff like this. And I need to just kind of continue to be aware and continue to learn. You know, I, I, I learned, I learned through pain a lot. You know, I screwed up with the, with the, the credits on the Life is Strange remaster and it became a thorn in our side. Um, towards the towards the end of that, and and now I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to screw up credits. If I ever get that again, it's not going to happen because I learned the hard way. You know, the same thing with with learning Jira. You know, production's best friend is there. I've done so many different workflows and schemes, and and having to redo them because if you publish a workflow scheme, you can't edit it. So then you have to make a new one, and then you have to disconnect that. Like I've I've done that so many times. You know. And it's, it's the like learning through pain in a way. And, and again, it sucks, but it's going to make you remember so that the next time you have to do it, you're going to be like, ah, I don't want to do it like that again. I want to do it the smarter way, you know? So yeah, I, I, I for me, that those have been, those have been huge. And I'm sure going into Call of Duty, it's a whole new game from what I've been working on the last year and a half. There's going to be a whole new set of things. It's a new studio. So there's going to be a million learning opportunities and there's going to be a million opportunities for me to fall down and get back up. And like, that's, that's an amazing like story, especially like how you've interacted with so many different people across the industry. And I know one of the challenges a lot of our listeners are going through is like, okay, well, that's not my story, right? I'm in a different situation. I'm coming fresh out of college or uh, I, I work retail or like I'm just an indie developer and I don't know what to do. Like, can you go over some of the like aha stories that you've learned about people that have had non-traditional ways into the industry? Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I, I think 
my story is really good. I know that my my senior producer, the one I had been talking about, he came from, he actually worked on a military base as a contractor and he did a lot of simulation for, um, you know, helicopter guys and stuff. And he then, from that simulation, he was, you know, again, basically a producer managing stuff. And then that transition translated to him getting into games because he understood how to work with engineers. He understood how to manage a pipeline. It was all these transferable skills and he was able to get started and, and kind of keep rolling with it. And I think for a lot of people early on, it's figuring out what transferable skills you have, but also, you know, figuring out what is it you need to do in the meantime and know that, you know, Hey, maybe I'm not going to come out of college and be able to work directly on the thing I want to work on. But, you know, again, looking towards that goal, you know, we interviewed, we interviewed somebody who um, wanted to, who she was interviewing for a production position, but I think she more so wanted to be in cinematic art, you know, and, and talking to her kind of after the, the interview and stuff, I, I was talking to her on LinkedIn and I was like, you know, if you really want to be in cinematic art, look at cinematic art, you know, look at, look for positions in that and like, you know, the junior level and stuff and figure out, you know, what are the things that you've done already that, that can translate over, but also what are the things that you need to keep learning, you know? Um, and so I think for, you know, military special, especially there's tons of people that come from these backgrounds that may not seem like they trans, they transfer over, but it, it just takes some, it takes some time to look at what are the expectations of this job or what, what are the things, responsibilities that they want me to do? And can I think of times that I've done something similar? You know, maybe I wasn't working on a game, but I manage people. I understand how to talk to people. I understand how to measure you know, are they doing good work? Are they doing bad work? Do they need, you know, a little extra umph, or are they having a really tough time? You know, were they really excited about Kingdom Hearts 4 and then they saw the trailer and it bummed them out because it's not going in the direction that they want, you know, and now their work is suffering on a Friday. Uh, it, you know, being able to recognize that you don't need to be in games to, to learn that kind of stuff. And, and um, that I think that's one of the reasons why I love leadership so much is because you can learn it in so many different areas and it just takes a little bit of time to like I said, put that fresh coat of paint on and all of a sudden all these skills and all these things that you have have carried over, you know, it's like starting a new game plus. Awesome. And, um, I know, uh, you mentioned also, I think you, you got in touch with a recruiter from Activision and they kind mm -hmm. of, they were your connection to help get into your current role. Um, yeah. so for people looking at a job description, I know, unfortunately, sometimes a job description has a huge, I would say laundry list of requirements. Um, yeah. and I know it can also help to kind of have a, have a mentor, have some guidance. Um, how do you recommend, uh, people fresh out of college or looking to transition, find people that could help guide them in the right direction? Yeah. I mean, so I, I did it at somewhat of a tough time because I was graduating right as COVID was, was in the heat of everything. And so I had to do all of, and I had, and I was going into a brand new industry where I didn't have a whole lot of connections I was looking at places outside of Chicago where I was. Um, and so I use LinkedIn a ton for that. And I'm not the best about posting on there, but I'm really good at finding people in a company that work a job that I want to eventually work or work on a team that I want to be at, connecting with them um, and talking to them. And you'll realize once you, once you understand how to navigate that conversation, you can you could th things just start to jump up from there. So like for me, my example, I was looking at Activision because I was like, Call of Duty, want to do it? You know, let's go. And so what I did is I went on LinkedIn, I looked at Activision, I looked at all the employees and I found, I, I filtered it down by people that had military experience. I found a guy on there who was a Marine who was going through an MBA rotational program. And I, I saw, shot a message, I said, you know, hey, know can we can we chat can i i'm really trying to break into the industry and i just i'm trying to learn you know what can i do he said sure we chatted and he's like hey man i'm in i'm brand new in this nba rotational thing i've been here like a month i he's like i know probably less than you do um but he's like i i know a guy who's an air force vet who's a recruiter who loves helping out you know veterans and loves doing doing all these things let me get you connected to him so i then got connected to jacob um, who 
you know, like I said, things shot off from there. Started, we started talking about games. We met a handful of times. He's the one that recommended I talk to Steve, who, you know, then I got tons of feedback from Steve. And then he also introduced me to like DNI recruiters at Activision. And eventually along this long list, I got to the production of specific recruiters, made it, had a good relation with both of them. And they started just feeding me roles, you know, as they kind of came up, you know, and I met them last fall and it wasn't until, what is it, April now that I got the job. So it, it, even though I met the right people, it still took some time. Um, but I love that, that part of my story because it's like, I, I found one person on the sliver that we were both Marines and it turned into, you know, being, get this relationship I have with Steve where I get tons of great feedback from him. I talk to him all the time, you know, Jacob and then all these other people that I've met to eventually getting a job, you know? And I think it's, it's just a matter of trying to find that, what's that sliver that you can jump onto that'll, that'll then get you moving in the right direction, you know? So, um, doing that, I think the other really good piece of advice I got was looking at the, in, looking in the indies, you know, making games is so available right now. You can download Unreal Engine for free. You can download, um, whatchamacallit, you, could, you know, the, I can't, of course, I'm blanking on the other, other Unity. engine. Unity, there you go. Yes, you could download Unity for free. You know, it is, it does not take a ton of people to make a game, you know. And so if you're looking in the indies, these are, these are either groups of people or very small studios that just need people. They need, they, they need people that could come in and, and are willing to work hard and learn along the way and, and accomplish what they're trying to do. And so, the ability that you have as a transitioning person or as a college grad is you get in in the indies, you know, you can, your acceleration from entry level person to having way more responsibility is quick. You know, I went from being a junior producer doing whatever to, you know, we lost a few producers that moved on. So then I was leading a, leading a game, you know, and I was delivering milestones as a junior producer, which is crazy. But, you know, I got the chance to do it because I was working at a small studio that needed me to do it. Um, and that those are big things that I got to talk about in my interviews and stuff was like, hey, I'm, I'm not just managing a JIRA and managing a team. I've managed multiple teams. I've managed an entire project for, for three, four months at this point. I've delivered the main goals of that project all because I worked at this small studio. And I mean, Deck Nine's not even that small anymore, but you know, you have the, you, you look to that, your chances of getting a bite are that much better. And there's so many out there there's so many people don't even realize are out there. You know, I feel like every day I'm seeing a new studio or a new game, you know, pop up. Um, so I would say those are, those are my two best ways to go about it. You find that person that can get you that sliver that can give you either a good feedback or you can find a person that becomes a good mentoring figure. Um, and also, you know, look at the indies, you know, it's great to have aspirations to want to work on some, you know, massive games, but, you've got to get there, you know, and, and you've got to start that, you got to start that road at some point. And, and a lot of times it's, I think the Indies is a great way to start. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And like one of the things that you kind of touched on a little bit before um, is like making mistakes and, and picking yourself up from there. And then uh, you were just talking about like the whole networking aspect and you, you mentioned the sliver that you were able to jump on that helped you get to where you are. But can you talk about like how many people did you reach out to that never responded oh, or maybe you had just <laughs> one conversation with? Because yes, it's cool to see the success, but like what's the actual, the effort that you put in like as a whole so that yeah. we can kind of see that it's not just about getting lucky, but like it, there's a process to getting lucky. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and yeah, you, you said it perfectly like, it's people see that and they're like, Oh, you met, you just met the right person. It was great. But like I had sent out so many connection requests with messages to people, um, at all sorts of places. I still like now we'll get a connection, like acceptance thing. And I'm like, who is this person? And then I'll look at the, the message that I sent and I'm like, Oh, this is when I was trying to talk to somebody at, you know, guerrilla games or when I was trying to talk to somebody at respawn, you know, months ago, I've got, I got one from somebody recently who I actually had, had interviewed with um, and I had shot her a thing when I was first looking for my job back in like fall of 2020, 
you know, and I just had now had gotten it. It got the connection thing. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, whatever. This is funny. So for me, it was about making a plan and, and making it almost like a eh, kind of like a, a side quest to the main quest. You know, I'm, my main thing is getting getting the job. Right. What are the things I got to do? Well, I got to work on my resume. Right. I got to work on my cover letters. I got to find open positions at at different studios. But I also, I don't necessarily need to connect with people, but I probably should. So for me, it was like when I when I graduated, I didn't have a job and I was just looking. I was like, okay, every day I'm going to get in three applications, three good applications, not just attach my resume, submit, call it a day. Three good applications in. And every day I'm going to try to send out five, five connection requests on LinkedIn to various various ends of people. You know, and this could be people that are directly at places, you know, hopefully they're people at, at, at uh, the studios, publishers that I'm applying at that day, but maybe it's somebody that I just came across that seems interesting or has something in common with me. And I think for me, gamifying it in that way helped me to stay the course, you know, because I, I was like, it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just going to go on LinkedIn and do whatever but linkedin if you don't use it right can just turn into like another facebook or another instagram you're just scrolling maybe you're looking at somebody's stuff but you're not doing whatever but if you're like hey today i woke up i know i got to send out three good connection requests to people you know and you're in there you're searching through you know i mean i don't even know activision has multiple thousands of people that work there and you're just scrolling through the people that are on linkedin and trying to find trying to find that sliver you know trying to find that person um, it's a lot and it can be disheartening, you know, I, I, in the process where I was looking for this job, I mean, it was the same thing. You know, I was, I applied everywhere. I was sending out the connection requests. I was doing all those things and I still, you know, wasn't getting things hitting for a long time, you know, and I was somewhat in the ideal position cause I had a job. I had a good line with recruiters, you know, I had a mentor figure and I still wasn't getting anything, you know, um, so you just kind of, you have to stay the course, you know, have to continue doing those applications, continue to do those connection things because being on the flip side, having been a hiring manager, I've looked at people who have been referred to me or people who have reached out to me on LinkedIn. I look at them before I look at any other stack of resumes. It just, it's just what I do. You know, maybe it's the right way to do it. Maybe it's the wrong way, whatever, but that's just naturally how I went about it. And we got really good candidates just from doing that. So if you're thinking about that from the candidate position, maybe that one conversation with that person is what helps push you over, push you over again uh, when you're compared to all the other candidates. Yeah, absolutely. And part of this is like just understanding the logistics of being a human being when you've got a million different people. So in my experience, like if I've got a thousand resumes of people that are applying to a role, like I cannot take time to really go in depth into every single one of those resumes because there just isn't enough time. So yeah. part of this is you have to rely on like who are the people that you already know, like, and trust that you've got experience with because there's so many parts of, you know, hiring talented people where a big part of it is like, what, what do you know and what do you trust about the person, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're looking at a sheet of paper and you're forced to make a judgment on a person based on a sheet of paper, like how accurately can you do that? Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, not everybody is, knows how to communicate their value on, you know, on a resume. Yeah. So that's where we have to rely on things like who are the, who are, are there referrals? Do I know this person personally? Have I worked with them for years or have I just had, you know, a five minute conversation with them on LinkedIn? Right. Yeah. So no. yeah. Thank you for giving us your insight. And it's like it, part of that is like, now that you know what it is to work in production, what are things that people could do like following your footsteps to, to get that experience? Because they're like, how can I be a producer if nobody's going to give me the opportunity? Like, how would you recommend somebody go about doing that? Yeah, um, I, I think it's uh, it's a number of things. So it's looking at your own experience and saying, hey, do I have 
the project management experience or the management in general experience to, you know, maybe I, it doesn't directly translate over, but it can fill the gaps and it gives me something to talk about. You know, if I'm coming into college and I have no management experience at all, well, maybe I need to get some of that. And you can do that in games. You know, I have a friend of mine who um, I've started mentoring who went to college with me. He got his degree in game dev and he was coming out. He saw that I had gotten a job, like was like so surprised because he was like, I didn't even know you were applying in games. And I was like, yeah, I didn't either until a couple months ago. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I started help, helping him along the path. You know, he got into QA at, um, at Maximum Games and he had the opportunity there to be in the industry. But I also, when we were going through his resume, he was a producer on a fan Halo project. And I'm like, dude, like, I was like, this is relevant experience. This is, even though it's a fan project, it's a side gig. You can still talk about this. You've done the job. You've worked at Jira. You've managed a pipeline. Like, you can absolutely talk about these things, um, you know, and, and, and put those in there. And now you're at a studio, a studio publisher. You have the opportunity to get that, that time in. And then you have an opportunity to also, like, eventually maybe you move into a lead position or you, you find a management position there, you know, and you, make your, you kind of make your way. On the flip side of that too, you know, if we're talking about entry level people, one of the big things you're looking for is like, is this person teachable? You know, is this person willing to learn? Do they have the passion to do so? If they have those three things, I can teach them to be a producer. No problem. You know, you don't, I don't need you to come in and know how to produce, know how to do all the things. Um, I need you to be somebody that's going to be a good culture fit. If you're going to be on my team, I need to know that I can work with you and I can depend on you and that you're willing to learn from me and everybody here. And if you check those boxes, sweet, like, let's do it. And that's where I think those referrals and those other little intangibles come into play because that's your way to prove that kind of stuff. You know, if you're getting referred by somebody, if Steve is referring somebody to me, I trust Steve. I trust Steve's judgment, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to look at this dude. And Steve knows me. He knows the kind of worker that I am. So he knows Maybe this person would be a great fit. Maybe this person wouldn't. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely look at that person. Um, you know, so I think those are that's where you get to shine because I'm the same way. Like my resume looks good because my I'm lucky my my soon to be wife is a really good designer. Um, but I'm I'm always been of the mindset like get me in the room to talk to you. I'll sell myself. I could talk to a wall, you know, for days. And so. It's, it's, and that's where I'm going to show you like, Hey, I want to be here. I'm passionate about this and I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to, to do this stuff. You know, when I was in my interviews for Call of Duty, they're like, okay, well, you know, this is like an AP role. So you're kind of just laterally moving. And I'm like, that's fine. You know, I've, I've had a great opportunity the last couple of months to lead a game, but in doing so, there are areas in my foundation that I'm sure I'm not, I haven't, I haven't plugged. There's holes there, you know? So it's like, this is my opportunity to go be a true AP and learn, hey, maybe there's some things I missed and I can I can fill those gaps in my foundation so that when I do, am ready to make the, the, the big jump to producer, uh, I know that I'm good. I know that I've covered all my bases. I, I've done all these things and I'm ready to go. So um, yeah, I think it, it's that's where that like self-awareness comes in. I'm like, what are the holes in my foundation that I need to fill in? Or if there aren't any, okay, like, who do I need to be talking to? Like, who do I need to be selling myself to? And, like, I love that you mentioned the ability to to sell to sell yourself and sell your experience. Can you take us through, like, what does it, what does it mean to sell yourself? Like, are there physical examples that you give? Um, like, do you have, I don't know, what, what are, like, the tips and tricks, quote-unquote, to sell yourself? Yeah, I think... Uh, definitely for me is a little, it's a little different because I just, I know that I'm a talker and I know that I'm fast, but there's some people that like, they they need a little bit of more time. And so one of the best things that you can do is when you're getting ready for an interview or you're getting ready to talk to somebody, you know, do your research on them. It's super easy to go look on LinkedIn and people smirk when they see that you're looking at them on LinkedIn because they're like, ah, this guy's doing research on me. Cool. You know, and they, they, they like seeing that because that means that you're taking this thing seriously. You're not just rolling into it. Um, but when it comes to 
I think when it comes to selling yourself, a lot of that, especially for games, can really boil down to passion, you know? And that's an easy, that's an easy excuse, you know? But I think one of the, one of the best things that I've, that I heard from as feedback from some of the interviewers was just my passion, you know, was, was bleeding through everything I was talking about because it wasn't, I want to be at Activision so I can get paid and I can have Activision on my resume. I can work on Call of Duty. I can get a bunch of free stuff, blah, 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 whatever. It was like, I want to work here. I want to work at this company because this company makes a product that I believe in. And it also does things on the side with a nonprofit that I also believe in. And I want to be part of that. And I want to contribute to that, you know, and, and having that fire in your eyes, people can pick up on that. You know, I, I, when I swapped from applying for business jobs to applying for, game jobs I, I told this to steve early really early on i was like dude my my attitude my feelings totally changed because i was excited i was like this i was like yes you know this is awesome you know and so if you're able to show that you're passionate about the product you're passionate about what they're doing you know you're if you're not able to not just able to to talk about it but it it, it you can see it when they're talking you know whether it's all these hand movements i'm doing or just you know being what you know however it is, um, that's that's something that that will always shine through and will leave a lasting impression. You know when we've interviewed people, I've talked to people that love the Life is Strange franchise, but they don't get stuck on talking about it. And that's that's one of those that's one of those keys is I'm not going to go into this interview and let's like nerd out about Life is Strange. You know, great, but talk about how important that franchise is to you and why you want to why you want to work there. You know why you want to work on that for you know maybe for other people out there um you know so i <laughs> there, there there definitely are other things but yes i would i love seeing passion in candidates and i love when i'm talking to people hearing the passion because that means that they have a goal in mind and that means that they're going to do what they need to do to get there you know and, and whether that's this job or the next job you know i told i, I told some of the the people that I was connecting with early on, you know, when I was talking about Call of Duty, I was like, I'm going to work there. You know, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, it may be in five to seven years, but I'm going to get there because that's my goal, you know, and I'm going to do all these little things I got to do right now to get there. So, and that's that, that passion that can just ooze out of you. So um, don't be afraid to, to show that when you're talking to people, whether it's in an interview or whether it's in a connection thing, um, because they'll, they'll, they'll see it and they'll feed off of it. Gotcha. And then like touching on that a little bit is like, what are some tangible, tangible things like, because there's one thing to be passionate and like having the feeling, but mm -hmm. it's another thing to actually harness that feeling and to do something with it. Right. Yeah. Like two people can say they're equally passionate about something, but if person A has gone and, you know, created game design documents and volunteered for organizations and, uh, help in, and you know scoured LinkedIn and connected with a thousand people in the game industry versus person B who just is passionate about gaming, yeah. right? Like, can you give some of the some of the tips and tricks? Like, what are things that you could see that would that would be evidence or more tangible? I guess proof of of passion. Yeah, 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 yeah. and and that's the that's definitely the trap with passion is you don't want to fall back on it and be like, yeah, well, I'm really passionate about and kind of like you said, but not do anything. Um, if for this case, I would say be like Batman, prep time. You know, prep for your interview, prep for your conversation, do your research, do whatever it is that you need to do um, to show them, hey, I'm not just talking the talk, I'm walking the walk. You know, one of the really cool things, I, I and I, I've never had this in an interview, but I was interviewing for uh, Wounded Warrior Project is starting to, to, they want to start up a kind of their, like a nonprofit arm that's, focused on gaming and one of the one of the interviewers was an army ranger and so and one of my I was answering one of the questions and then he used an example and I mentioned rangers in the example and he was like ah I see Matt sounds like you did some some research huh and I was like man maybe a little bit you know and that and, and I didn't I didn't talk about the rangers I didn't like divulge their whole history but I said something and that made him know that I, I looked you up, I took notes, and I created a strategy to essentially make you like me, you know? And I mean, that's kind of what part of a part of an interview is like, hey, I want to convince you that you like me and you want to pay me money to do stuff, you know? And 
it, I, I think when you, when you prep and you do that, that's you showing that you're passionate because you're not just resting on your laurels. You're not, yeah, I've put, you know, a thousand hours into Call of Duty. Great. How does that make you a good producer? You know, but by, by prepping and, and my, my, one of my favorite stories that you had told me, Steve, and that I used all the time was, you know, how do you, how do you intangibly prep for an interview? You know, like it's easy to take notes on your interviewees. Um, and it's easy to take notes on the company, but like, what's that, what's that X factor that you can do? And, and Steve had told me the story when I was interviewing. Um, and he said that there was a guy that was interviewing for an art director position at one of the PlayStation studios and he was prepping for his interview and when he went in there he brought his ipad in there and he had a bunch of concept art and he was like hey let me show you like my work like let's let's not talk like let me just show you what what the deal is um and he did a bunch of concept art based off of i think i think if i remember it was what was it sunny san diego right um and you know he ended up getting the job and and so for me i got in my head as i was applying like what's my ipad what is my thing that somebody else is not going to do when they walk into this interview because every all the other candidates have the, have access to the same tools they have access to linkedin they have access to the internet you know they could do the same research create the same notes that i can but how do i digest those notes and how do i make something of it to make myself set apart you know so when i was interviewing for deck nine i they said that this was a brand new position they didn't really know how they wanted this position to develop so i said okay that's my ipad so I wrote out in like an Excel sheet, I wrote out like, this is these are the learning objectives for somebody in this position. These are the things that you wanna do. And what I did was looked at a listing they had up for a producer and the skill sets and the responsibilities that they had. And I said, okay, how do I break that down for a junior level person for them to learn you know, and, and work in that area so that they could then become proficient to become a producer. You know, I wrote that out and I said, you know, when I first started my interview with them, I was like, hey, I have something I want to show you guys. You know, if we can leave like five minutes at the end, that would be great. And they all looked at themselves like they were crazy, like I was crazy. And uh, yeah, I showed it to them at the end. I emailed it to them after, you know, and um, I, <laughs> I didn't really get I didn't really get any feedback after. So I don't know how much that contributed to to me, but I know it set me apart, you know, and that's that was the most important thing. I know that everybody in that interview remembered me as a crazy dude who wrote up this this thing for how a junior producer becomes a producer, you know? Um, and and that's that's another piece of the puzzle, you know, being passionate, but being memorable, you know? Like you want someone, my, my the best feedback I got, which was awesome to hear, and I it, it totally sent me over the moon. Um, when I was talking to the recruiter after he told me I'd gotten the Activision job, he was like, oh yeah. And the feedback from all the, the senior producers was basically, we want to hire more Matt Sanchez's. And I was like, that's like the best thing you could hear from an interview. You know, that's like, that's like, there's nothing above that. That's basically them saying, hey, let's clone you because you're that awesome that we want you to be on all the teams, you know? Um, and so, yeah, dude, it just being, being passionate, being memorable, being prepared, you know, all there, there, there's all these like this concoction that you can make, you know, yourself, all this work that you have to do uh, that will hopefully result in you getting that job, you know, and result in you getting into the industry. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that is one of the reasons why I absolutely love having you on the podcast so that you can, this is like the living example of like the work ethic, the heart that takes to work in an industry that is ridiculously competitive. And yeah. this is the type of a pattern that I've seen in effective employees and you're just the embodiment of that. So thank you so much for taking some time out of your Sunday to, to share your story and to share this inspiration with all of our fans out here. And with that being said, I see we're already past the hour. It's crazy how fast time flies by when you're having these types of conversations. Um, so Mr. Byron, if you'd like to take us home. Yeah, sure. Um, again, thanks so much. Um, I usually ask our guests if they can kind of leave parting um, advice for our audience, but the conversation kind of naturally uh, went towards that direction already. So I think we're pretty good in that sense. Um, thank you so much for, you know, uh, coming on to the podcast again, speaking with us. Your journey is, is really cool. Um, I'd love to have you on again in probably six months because obviously mm -hmm. you're moving forward. Um, and uh, that's pretty inspiring to me. And, um, 
So the last thing I'd like to ask is where can people find you? Um, do you post any content online, a blog or LinkedIn, stuff like that? So I'm, I'm trying to get better about LinkedIn. I've, I haven't figured out exactly how I want to do posting and stuff um, on there, but I, I'm, I'm very active on it. Um, that would be the best place to find me. Um, I've, like, like we were talking about before we went live, you know, I, I've dabbled with wanting to write, write like a blog or something, and maybe I will, but um, I'm really passionate about helping people, you know, get into whether it's the industry or their job. So um, if you reach out to me on LinkedIn, I will be one of those people that gets back to you, I promise. Um, even if it isn't right away, I, I absolutely will, because I, if, if there's any person that I can just give a small piece of advice to and that helps them get a job, like, awesome. That makes me feel great. So yeah, definitely find me on LinkedIn, just Matt Sanchez or Matthew Sanchez, I believe. Um, and yeah, I, I love coming on here, talking to you guys. Like I said, I could talk to a wall, but, um, I would absolutely love to, to come back and it would be, it'd be cool to, to see like, you know, the progression in six months and kind of see where I'm at and, and, uh, we could talk through some more fun stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And Thank you guys for listening to Empower Up. Um, that concludes this episode. Just like to uh, make a quick reminder that we are on YouTube. So we record all these episodes. We'll have this up uh, probably. Um, we try to upload every Friday. So we'll try to get this up on YouTube on Friday, Spotify, um, basically anywhere that you can watch this or listen to this. If you're on a long commute like I am, I live in L.A. Um, so, yeah, um, thank you guys so much. And we'll see you on the next episode.